I don't know what he will end up doing, but I am so glad to be with you tonight. And today, uh, we were able to go to the train museum. My little boy loves trains, and that was a great experience, and to be able to be there. It's been a blessing to be here. Thank you again for being here on a Saturday night. It was good to see those on a Friday night. Uh, last night, those who were able to be here tonight look forward to worshiping more and more uh, tomorrow. And also, I just want you to think about, if you haven't invited somebody yet, do that. It's not too late. If you want to text them during my lesson and invite them, if you're doing evangelism, I'm good with it. Okay, I, I want you to get somebody here who needs to know Jesus. Because if people don't know Jesus, they will be lost eternally. So that's something that, that we must do and we must be serious about doing. And I believe this congregation is based on having this weekend. So I'm just thankful for you and thankful for this opportunity. And if you will, let's go to God in prayer as we begin. Our Heavenly Father, God, you are incredible. You are a beautiful God, a loving God, a caring God. You're a knowing God. Lord, I ask you to be with us tonight and help us to see how much you know about us and how you love us anyway. How through your love we can draw closer to you. And Lord, let, let the, the love you have draw anybody tonight closer to him. It doesn't matter if, they're, if we're not Christians, help them to be drawn to be Christians. If we are Christians, help them to be drawn closer in their faith. But Lord, work through your word tonight to draw people closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you will, let's sing together. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong, they are weak, but He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Do you believe that? Do you know that? One of the problems with that song, and it's not a problematic song, is we make it a children's song. We've determined that's a great kid's song, and it is a great kid's song. We, we have a nightly routine for my little boy, and, and since he's been alive at night, we sing songs with him, we read with him, and one of those songs is Jesus Loves Me. I want him to grow up and to know that. And, but it is not just a children's song. It is probably one of the greatest reminders that we as Christians need to be reminded of every day, and the world needs to know that he truly loves us. How do we know He loves us? Because the Bible tells us that He loves us. We went through last night His death on the cross, and, and, and through His death, we have purpose in life. Through His resurrection, we, we can know that our, we can have forgiveness. We can know that we have purpose. We can know that we have a pain in this world that will end one day. Why? Because there is something that is promised to us that when we die, the world may end, but our lives haven't. There's eternity. See, sometimes I think when we think about God's love for us, we, we kind of don't know if He loves us or not. We kind of think He probably just tolerates us.
just kind of tolerates us. You know, he, he really didn't like it. I, I like what one writer says. He said, God is not a God who tolerates you. He is a God who loves you. He is a God who desires you. And let me add this. He is a God who is pursuing you. He loves you more than you can imagine. John 3.16, what many call the golden text of the Bible. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son to the world that condemned the world, but that the whole world may be saved through Him. He loves you. He wants you to be saved. Romans 5, 8 tells us, But God demonstrates His own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, He died for us. As one translation says, He loved us while we were at our darkest. I want you to know tonight that God fully sees you. He fully knows you. And He fully loves you. That's a truth. As one writer has said, to be fully loved... And not fully known is superficial. To be fully known and not fully loved is heartbreaking. But we have a God who fully knows who we are, who fully understands who we are, and who loves us in spite of it. We see it throughout Scripture. We see Him pursuing us throughout Scripture as He wants us to be saved, to know His love and His patience for us. Yes, there is judgment to come. Yes, there is a hell for those who do not believe and choose not to follow Him. But He is doing everything in His power that we don't go there. Tonight, what do you know about me? You may have Facebook stalked me, I don't know. It happens, okay? You may have asked some of my friends about me. I heard some people were at PTP this week and already vetted me before I got here. I was told that earlier. But if I wanted to know about you, what would I do? See, if I, if I went to your Instagram page or went to your Facebook page, there's certain things that I would know about you. If you went to my page, here's what you'd know about me. You'd know, again, that I have an incredible wife, that I want to brag on her often. I want to build her up and praise her. I'm thankful that God gave her to me and put her in my life. You'd also know that I have an amazing little boy. He's bigger than this now. His hair came in, and so did his voice. But you know I'm so thankful that God gave us this little boy. You'd know that I love my mama, and yes, I know I look like the kid from A Christmas Story. I get it, okay? If you're thinking that and you think you're original, you're not, okay? I've heard it all my life. You'd know that I love my dad. This is my dad and I at my wedding. So thankful he was able to be there. He had some health issues and he was able to come that day. I'm glad my, my pop was able to be there. It was a blessing. You would know that I like to fish and every once in a while I have a really good day at it. And this is not the extended arm. I'm not fully extended. I, this is no camera tricks. I've got some that are. I'm not going to lie. I've got some that I'm 
forced perspective. I know what that is, okay? You know that I like to fish. You know that I love kids. There's things that I hate about COVID, okay? I, I could go on. This could be the, the, the next four-hour sermon, things I hate about COVID. It was my practice ever since I started ministry to try to go to the hospital within, before the, the families went home with the baby or within the first week and, and hold and pray with those families. That's something that hasn't been as easy People are a lot more cautious. And I, I, I give them a call and give them the opportunity. I try to. As soon as I find out a couple is pregnant, I pull them aside and pray for them for their child. And when I see them, sometimes it's now when they choose to bring them out and come to church. But you would know that, that I love children and I value children. You'd also know that I love music. And I love to play guitar. This is a really cool thing. The, the guitar I'm playing is a custom-made deal that's made in Spring Hill, Tennessee. I don't have this one, but the amp right behind me belonged to Buddy Holly, then belonged to Waylon Jennings, then belonged to a buddy of mine who said, hey, you need to go by the shop and play it before it gets sold. So when you get to play a Buddy Holly song or Amanda on the same amp they were recorded, it's a pretty cool day. You know, I've met a couple of famous people. It's one thing about living in Nashville. You turn around and, and, and there they are, whether it is Brad Paisley or going to a guitar show and getting to meet and talk to Vince Gill. And you would know again that I love to laugh. That is part of who I am. But can I tell you, you would know that I love my church. I, I love the, 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 churches, the Lord's church throughout the world. I love the, the congregation where I serve now. It is a blessing. But you would not know everything about me. You would just know what I have chose to reveal about myself to you. There are people who overshare on social media, but that's a different lesson for a different time, right? I think the truth is, it's crazy to me, that we are the most connected generation that there has ever been. We can be more connected to people throughout the world than we ever have been able to. You can have up to 5,000 friends on Facebook. You can have so many followers on Instagram. You can have all these things, but everything keeps telling us over and over and over again that we are the loneliest generation there has ever been. And there's so many people that feel like nobody knows me. I had a sweet lady at our congregation this week came up to me last, last week. She's one of our older ladies. And she came up and she said, Craig, she said, I need, need to tell you, I went by the funeral home and you're going to do my funeral. I said, okay. She goes, I'm going to come by this week and tell you some things I won't say it. Well, great, Okay. She said, I want to make sure you know who I am. That you, you know who I am so it'll be something that you're able to share firsthand, which I try to do a, a funeral as personal as I can be. But the thing is, we feel that people do not know us. And we also feel that if people really knew us, they wouldn't like us. But what does God know about you? What does God know about us? Psalm 147, verses 4 and 5. The psalmist says this. He determines the number of the stars. He gives them all their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. 
and his understanding is beyond measure. Wow. How great is our God? To look in the sky and know that all those stars were created by God. And the psalmist and the way he writes wants to let you know that he knows all the stars, that he named them, and he wants to bring out his power. And what he's doing is trying to illustrate for us and illustrate to anyone who will read how much God knows. So tonight, what does he know? First of all, he knows all of my thoughts and failings. He knows every one of them. He knows every single sin, every single fault, every single failing that you have in your life. He he knows that. The Hebrew writer says it this way. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of those to whom we must give account. The psalmist says this in Psalm 69, verse 5, O God, you know my folly, the wrongs I have done are not hidden from your sight. How do these verses make you feel? How how do they make you feel knowing It doesn't matter if you do something at 3 o'clock in the morning. God knows it. It doesn't matter if anybody else in the world knows. God knows. And not only that, not only does He know, but one day we will have to give account for it. And there's so much vulnerability, especially in Hebrews 4.13. We're exposed. He sees us. And one day we'll answer. Growing up, uh, my dad was a song leader. Uh, and uh, every week he'd go through and pick out his songs. There's one song that I did not want him to sing because it just messed me up. There's an all-seeing eye watching you. I mean, when you're four... Five, six, twenty-six, it don't matter. That song, you, you think because the way, you, way I felt, the way I visioned it, was basically God was up there just trying to catch me being bad. He sees what I do that's bad, absolutely. And I think what we want to do when we feel like we're vulnerable or naked is the verse said before, same thing Adam and Eve did, is we want to hide. We want to try to hide from God. And, and, and the thing is, it may be when you're tempted. Here's how Satan works. You may be tempted to do something, and what he's going to whisper in your ear is, go ahead, nobody will ever find out. Nobody. And then as soon as you give in to that temptation, he says, what if somebody finds out? And what we want to do then is we want to hide. Our shame will cause us to hide. We're about as good as this little boy playing hide and seek, right? Yeah. He's not real good at it. That's how it is for us hiding with God. But here's the beauty. God knows all of your sins and He's not shocked. The reason He's not shocked is He's seen every sin that's ever been committed. 
And our responsibility to that, how should we respond? Should we try to run and hide? Absolutely not. We should do what we are told to do in 1 John 1, 8 and 9. Where John said, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's so much beauty and power in this verse. There's so much comfort in this verse. One of the comforts is that God knows that even as we try to follow Him as closely as we can, we will still fail. 1 John's written to Christians. He's telling Christians, listen, you, you will still mess up. You will still sin. You will still fail. And to think that you are sinless is its own sin. But he said, here's what we do with sins. We confess them. And he is faithful and just to forgive us or cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that beautiful? All. I love that word, all unrighteousness. Whatever sin there is, He is willing to forgive. And so when we think about that, we should confess that. And that's something that should be a part of our lives. And, and tonight you may be here, and what's kept you from following Christ or following Him as close as you should, is you're like, He can never forgive me of whatever the sin may be. Yes, He can, and yes, He wants to. He wants you to turn to Him. He wants you to confess that sin. And He wants you to allow His blood to cleanse you from that sin. So He knows our sin. Secondly, He knows our hurts. He knows our hurts. Psalm 31, verse 7. It says, I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love because you have seen my affliction. You have known the distress of my soul. The psalmist says, I'm going to rejoice that you love me because you know how much I've hurt. Psalm 56, verse 8, is one of my favorite verses in Scripture. Where the psalmist writes, You have kept count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? What's this whole bottle deal? Several years ago, as I was finishing up school, I uh, got to go to the Holy Lands. When I say I got to, I got to borrow money to go to the Holy Lands and pay it off over the next 10 years. But I went to the Holy Lands. And as we were going town to town, we would, we would go into all these different uh, souvenir shops. They seemed to be everywhere we went. And whenever we would go in, uh, there would be these little neat things that was always incredible to me that no matter what country we were in, the American dollar worked just fine. Everywhere we were. And we went into this one souvenir shop, and there were these little bottles that were about this big, probably two to, two to four ounce bottles. And the top had a rim around it, but instead of just having a rim, and instead of looking like something you would pour out of, it had a, something that came out and went up and flattened out. And it, was, it had a little trench in it. 
And I couldn't figure out what it was. It didn't make sense to me. And so we asked our guide, what is this? He goes, it's a tear bottle. He said, that's what that little protrusion, if you will, is for. He said that people can put it up to their eyes and catch their tears. He said, that's something that culturally has been a part of their culture. That they believe that tears mark big moments in their lives. Times of great joy and times of great pain and times of great sadness. And they keep them. To mark those moments. How amazed are you right now to know that God keeps that for you? Don't miss the first part of that verse. You have kept count of my tossings. Anybody here ever laid down at night and can't sleep because of all that's going on in your life or in the world or what's going on around you? Just me, right? Yeah. God knows when you can't sleep. And he cares. He keeps up with the things that cause you pain, the things that cause you sorrow. Who knows those hurts in your life? He understands those hurts. God gets it. I don't know what hurts you're pulling tonight. I don't know what has weighed your heart down today and tonight. I I don't know what that is. As we talked about last night, it could be financial, it could be family, it could be friends, it could be health related, it could be death of a loved one, it could be a strained relationship, it, it could be struggling with your faith, whatever it is, what you need to know is that God knows and God cares and God wants to be there with you as you suffer. The psalmist says in Psalm 103, verses 13 and 14, what he lays out here for us is another beautiful verse. It is, verse says, As a father shows compassion to the, his children, so our Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, and he remembers that we are dust. God created you. He knows our strength and our fragility. And He gets it. I have heard preachers mistakenly say that God will not put you through something that you cannot handle. The fact that we have to have His Son to save us shows that there's something we're in that we can't handle by ourselves, right? I don't think there's anything that we can't handle together. He knows what we can handle. These chairs have come a long way. I remember when they first came out, they were guilty of sending more chubby people to the ER about anything in the world. I can say that because I am one, okay? Because I saw people sit on them, they go straight to the ground. And I'm sure underneath somewhere it says how much weight it's supposed to be able to handle. Can I tell you, it wasn't enough. 
It wasn't. God does know what your limit is. He understands that we are mortal beings. And He's with us. And He understands that pain. And so those hurts, you need to know that that He understands it, that He gets it. And He understands all of our hurts and He sympathizes with us. That's why He tells us this word all again. Cast all your cares on Him for He cares for you. Remember the first all? He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And we can cast all our cares. All of them. What a promise. James 4, 8, the great promise that you draw near to God and He will, he will draw near to you. Some of us are hurting right now. Some of you may be hurting and, 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 and as a part of that, you're not willing to let God come to you yet. You know, I, I am not an expert father by any means. I, again, I've been a father for four years. And there's some things I've learned during this time. One is that uh, his mom's a better comforter than I am. Rub some dirt on it and get over it doesn't go as well as the kisses she gives. I- I'll just tell you, it's not the same, not the same thing. <laughs> he has some comments to make on that. Have you ever seen a child that just has had it and they're in the floor? And all they will have to do for a parent to pick them up is put their arms up, but they're not willing to do that yet. They just want to have their fit. They just want to have their sorrow. But when those arms go up, that, that, that parent will pick them up and all of a sudden comforting can go on. And, and I think that's something. God knows our hurts. And the thing is, He is waiting for us to reach up to allow us to take Him in. And one of the things we have to realize is that doesn't necessarily mean that all the hurting will stop at that moment. That means that we're not alone in it anymore. One of the things I have hated about being a father is the shots that my little boy has to have sometimes. I thought me getting shots was bad. It's worse to watch him have to get them. And what I've had to do is I just hold them while they give them to him. That doesn't take away the pain, but I'm there. God knows our hurts, and, and he is there with us, so we must draw near to him. Not only that, God knows all of your fears. God knows every fear you have. We, we talk about anxiety. Anxiety is a word that is probably used every day by most every, every person. It is something people deal with. It is something that, that people go through, and it's a, it's a form of fear. And we look at this, and I don't know what it is you're afraid of. You may have fears of snakes or of spiders. Growing up, my generation, we were all scared of nuclear war. That was the big thing. You know, Russia, and, uh, it was, that, that was a, a real deal. They made movies about it and all this stuff to scare you to death all the time. You, you saw those things. You know, you may not believe this. One of the things I'm scared of is clowns. I said that one congregation, a guy came up to me and told me he was a clown. I'm like, why would you come up and talk to me? 
Unless you're coming up for me to baptize you because you definitely need to repent. I mean, we can do that. You know, I, I'm so scared of clowns, I'm shocked I've eaten at this place as much as I have. Can I tell you? Usually out of the drive through because I don't think he can pull me out the window. That's sort of my thought with it. But I, I don't like it. When I went to Freed Hardeman, I, I was blessed to go to school about 50 minutes from one set of grandparents and about 35 minutes from another set of grandparents. And that meant really good food. That meant a place to deer hunt on one of my grandparents' uh, land. And, and my, my cousin and I, we went to school together, and we would get up early during deer season. We would drive down to my grandparents and, and hunt. And I remember being down there one day, that, that as we're down there getting ready to, to hunt, we go to our usual place. I go to where my stand is. He goes to his place. It's just where, where we're doing. And we get in there, and we hear the worst scream, and we couldn't identify. I've ever heard this before daylight. And the hair on the back of my neck is stood up. And it continues. It'll go like three times and stop and three times and it'll stop. I don't want to walk back out. So I just sit there praying for daylight. That's just where I am at the moment. I, I have no clue what to do. Well, it gets daylight. We sit there. We don't see anything. My cousin and I were walking back to my grandparents' house. Did you hear that? Absolutely. What do you think it was? I don't have a clue what it was. We're both scared. We get back around my, uh, my, my grandmother's breakfast table, which was awesome. She, she cooked something. I don't know if y'all do it down here, but of course she would cook her biscuits, which they are the greatest biscuits I've ever had. I've had other people say, y'all to try mine. I will bring them, okay? But, but hers are the best I've ever had. And then she'd make chocolate gravy to put on top of it. Listen, if it weren't for chocolate and gravy and biscuits, I wouldn't be half the man I am. That's just sort of how it works. It is absolutely amazing. And as we're sitting around, we say, hey, we heard this sound this morning. And my granddad goes, well, it could be that mountain lion we saw the other night when we were coon hunting. I'm like, I've seen where the red fern grows. That don't end well. I'm, I'm thinking, that is not good. That is not good. And then my grandma, faithful child of God, my granddaddy was an elder, my grandma goes, or it could be a haint. Okay, some of y'all have no clue what I just said, and that's all right. I'm going to try to define it for you. A haint is what a country person calls a ghost when they really don't believe in ghosts, all right? And I'm like, great. I don't know if I can do anything with a mountain lion, and I don't have anything to do with haints. I don't know what in the world I can do. I just know we were scared until later we found out. This was hilarious. I had a great aunt named Barney. And that was the scream she used to call her guineas home. It makes no sense. That's what I tell people. I want to write a book about my family. I just got to wait for a few more funerals first. And then I can write it, okay? Fear is real. And then what we learned that day is we weren't, we, what we were scared of really wasn't anything. But fear is something that's very real. And, and here's the beauty of it. I love this. In Matthew 6, 31 to 32... Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. The Lord knows our needs. And many times our fears is that one of our needs will not be met. He knows our fears. He's seen it before. So what's our answer? Our answer is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. 
It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He says, Don't be anxious. How can I not be anxious? He says, Because you can pray about what? Everything. Everything. Not only does God know our fears, but finally, God knows our faithfulness. Again, that all-seeing eye, many times we think that, that God really just sees us being bad. He sees us when we, when we mess up. He sees us when we fail. He sees our sinfulness. But the truth is, He sees our faithfulness as well. Hebrews 6.10 The Hebrew writer says, God is not unjust. He will not forget the work and the love you have shown Him as you have helped His people and continue to help them. What a beautiful thought. God sees our faithfulness. That's one of the reasons that if we do something good for somebody, it doesn't have to be broadcast because God has seen it. That's why He warns us at times, don't let your goodness be done. He didn't say don't let it be done so people might see it. He says don't, let peop- don't do it so that people will see it. Don't just do it so that people will say, look how great you are. The goodness is, no matter what we do, God sees. This is a a picture of my dad and I. We gone fishing. This is my cousin and myself again back in the Christmas story time. And this was a slow day in Parsons, Tennessee, because if you caught a bunch of fish, you can go by our local newspaper and they put you in it. This was, this was on the, one of the pages of our newspaper there in Parsons when I was a kid, the news leader. When I was 15 years old, my mom and dad divorced. And not only did it stink then, it stinks now. My brother, who's five years younger, we continued to live with my mom, and my dad uh, lived across town. By that time, we had moved to the Germantown, Memphis area. And I was in high school, and I, I played football at Germantown High School. And it was a, an incredible program there, and I was blessed. My senior year, we went to a, a state championship, and uh, we, we were beat by a, a guy by the name of Kelly Campbell. Some of y'all may recognize that name. He he was a professional quarterback for years. He was a backup with the Steelers. He's got Super Bowl rings. He was really good in high school. Just to let you know, he was amazing. Well, from the time I was a kid, my dad could do the Johnny Weissmiller Tarzan yell just like the movies, all right? Some of y'all hear what I'm saying, right? He could do that yodel and yell, and when it happened, I was looking for the monkeys and elephants to run out. I mean, he, he had that voice and that power. And as I was a kid, if I did something good in a baseball game or a football game, Tarzan let it rip. Well, again, after the divorce and living across town and He never knew if he could come to my games or not because of schedule, things going on. 
And one night we are uh, playing another team in Memphis area. Bartlett High School at that time had a guy by the name of Ronald Davis. Ronald Davis went on to play at the University of Tennessee and then was a starting cornerback for the Atlanta Falcons. He and Dion were corners at the same time. Uh, he was also really good in high school. And here's how I know how good he was. Because I got to play that night. That means we were getting beat really bad, all right? And so I get in, and I watch the game when I was on the sidelines, and, and, and I realized when they ran a play that went around the end, when they pitched in the ball around the end, I could see there was something the offensive guard was doing every single time. And so when I got in, I saw the guard line up a certain way. So as soon as they snapped the ball, I took off running to the sidelines. When Ronald got there, the corner had stood him up, and I hit him right in the ear hole. That was okay during that time. That was called a good hit, all right? And I hit him, knocked his helmet off. You know what I heard from the sidelines? Tarzan cut loose. That's my way of my dad telling me I, he's proud of me. That I did something good. Yeah, I hurt Ronald Davis so bad the, the next play. He had to sit out of play because of the injury. The next play he went like 85 yards for a touchdown. I really devastated him and his, his football career. What would it be like for you to know that your dad's proud of you? What would it be like for you to know that your heavenly father is proud of you? And that he sees your faithfulness. And one day, those who, who become Christians, those who walk with him the rest of their life, that one day he's going to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. To know that, to know that should help me to know that I want to continue doing good. For a due, time, due season we will reap if we do not what? If we do not faint. I want you to know tonight that God knows all of your sins. Confess them to Him. He knows all of your hurts. Trust Him with them. Give them to Him. He knows all your fears. Grow close to Him in your anxiety and know that He is there. Know that He is making provision for you. Also know that He is glad to be and wants to be your Heavenly Father. I love this quote. It said, I've given God a million reasons not to love me and none of them have changed his mind. He loves and he cares. Paul said it like this, For I am persuaded... In Romans 8, verses 38 and 39, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How awesome our God is. God knows you, and God loves you. Why does it matter? Listen, if you don't get that, it doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for 50 years, 5 years, or, or you're just now you're thinking about becoming a Christian. If you don't get that, one, then why would you ever choose to be saved? If you didn't realize how much He loves you, and that He wants you, and that He sees. Until we realize how much He loves us, how will we ever truly love others, right? And until we realize how much He is, knows about us and has forgiven us, how forgiven will we be of others? 
How, how much will we withhold from Him in worship if we do not realize how much He knows and how much He has done and how much He is doing? Will we ever share the gospel with others until He knows this? Will we continue a life of joy in Christ, knowing we can have joy in spite of our, our pain, in spite of our suffering, in spite of our fears, knowing that our God sees, our, sees what we're doing and that He is with us? Man, we've got to get this. And I want you to know how much He loves you. Several years ago, I... I saw an interview, and there was a lady who told her own life story. Her name was Mary Ann Bird, and she said, I grew up knowing I was different. She said, I hated it. I was born with a cleft palate, and when I started school, my classmates made fun, and made, it, made, made fun of me and made it clear how I looked. They told me that I was an ugly little girl. She went on to say how, how brutal kids were and how so many adults let it happen. And they never stepped in. And she talked about how horrible school was, that her home life weren't any, wasn't any better. Her parents were not good to her. They were not thankful for her. But she said there was one day that changed everything. She had a teacher by the name of Mrs. Leonard. I believe it was her second grade teacher. Now we've got some school teachers here. Thank you for doing what you do. You are Jesus in whatever school you're in. You're showing people who he is. Thank you for doing that. And Mrs. Leonard sure did. She said back then that, that they would do a, a hearing test and the teachers would administer that. But when I was a little kid, we wore headphones and you'd hear a beep and you'd have to reach an arm out to say where you were. So during this time, what a teacher would do was whisper something to you. And then the teacher would back up a certain amount and whisper something to you. And if you could tell them what you said, they'd measure how far out you, you could hear. And, and Mary Ann Bird said, I hated this because of my cleft palate. I was deaf in one ear. I knew I was deaf in that ear. And she said, every year the teacher would say something like, water is wet, sky is blue. She said, but one day, this teacher said seven words that changed my life. And said, so Miss Leonard just leaned over and said this. said, I wish you were my little girl. Mary Ann Bird went on to not only get a high school degree, but a college degree and become a writer and have this life and of joy and happiness, she said, because one person in my life made me feel loved and wanted. My parents didn't, the people around me at school didn't, but this one teacher, for the first time in my life, made me feel loved and wanted. Can I tell you, I'm thankful for Miss Leonard because what she did here is what God is saying to you tonight. He wants you to be His. He sees you. He knows you and He loves you. And what He wants you to do tonight is He has an invitation. He knows everything about you and He is reaching out asking you to come and to be His. And, and tonight, again, if you're not a Christian, it may be that you say, Craig, I know tonight I need to confess His name. I want to be baptized for remission of my sins. And if you want to do that tonight, we would love for that to happen. Or maybe tonight you say, hey, I just need to have a discussion about this. I'm, 
I'm trying to work my way through this. We would love to talk to you. Or maybe you just want us to pray for you tonight. We would love to pray for you. If we can help you in your search for him and your walk with him, would you come now while we stand and while we sing? He will bear you gently, gently to his fold. See him soul and open, I implore. Why keep Jesus waiting, waiting at the door? Oft he knocketh softly. Softly o'er and o'er, hear him soul and open, I implore. Why keep Jesus waiting, knocking at the door? Soon he'll cease his pleading, yes, forever. lesson tonight. Uh, just as a reminder, we do have our fellowship downstairs uh, immediately following this with our homemade ice cream, so be sure to join us down there. Uh, we'll sing our closing song and then be dismissed in a closing prayer. It'll be number 312, I'll Be a Friend to Jesus. We'll sing the first, second, and fourth verse of this song and then be closed out with a prayer. <clears throat> they tried my Lord and Master with no one to Within the halls of Pilate, he stood without a friend. I'll be a friend to Jesus, my life for him I'll spend. I'll be a friend to Jesus until my end. him I'll love him to the end and while on earth I'm living my Lord shall have a friend I'll be a friend to Jesus my life for him I'll spend I'll be a Till my years shall end to all who need a Savior, my friend, I recommend because he brought salvation, is why I am his friend. I'll be a for him I'll spend I'll be a 
friend to Jesus until my ears shall end. Let's pray together. Father, you are uh, magnificent. You are beautiful. Um, and we are thankful that you've allowed us to be here tonight. It is, it is so intimidating to realize how well you know us. Um, every thought that we have, everything that we think, uh, every toss and turn, every, every pain that we have, you know us. And it is so hard to comprehend. Um, but we know how great you are. And we know your power, and we know your wonder, and we know your beauty. And we're thankful that you did not stop at, at knowing us, but you, uh, you went as far as to save us. To, to put us in a place where, where um, you know how uh, sinful we are, yet you've cleansed us. And we give you glory and thanks uh, in words and in heart in a way that can never give enough thanks. Um, we ask that you please guide us with safety as we leave here tonight, uh, as we journey downstairs to enjoy ice cream and fellowship together. We're so thankful for that time that you are giving us. We are so grateful that you have blessed us with, with so much here. Uh, we ask that you please continue to bless us. Please never allow those blessings to distract us uh, from the reason we are on this earth. We love you so much, Father. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.